0: Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing this morning? My mic on? Yeah, I'm good. Well, yeah, as Pastor Josh mentioned, my name is Peter Schuett. Uh, I serve as the executive director of Shine the World Ministries, and we've had the opportunity to partner alongside Renovation for many years, most recently uh, this past summer in Mwanza, Tanzania. And I know many of you have probably heard stories or maybe seen pictures and videos of what took place, but man, God blew all of our expectations out of the water. We, uh, in partnership with Renovation and hundreds of local churches in that area, saw over 500,000 people reach with the gospel in one week. And we saw 114,156 people saved, documented salvation. So we just saw God do like incredible things. And uh, one of my biggest takeaways from that week was the joy and the faith that the Renovation team brought to that mission. It didn't didn't matter what happened. It might have been a missed flight or a canceled flight or getting sick during the mission, but... Every opportunity, every circumstance was just met with joy and faith, and it was contagious. It rubbed off on me, it rubbed off on our team, it rubbed off on the local churches. And so I'm just excited to be in an even bigger group of Renovation Church this morning. Uh, You guys have been working your way through a series called Jesus Over Everything, verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And this morning, we're going to be picking up in Colossians 1, verse 21. But before we jump into the message, uh, let me just pray for us quick. God, I thank you that you are here in this room right now. God, we just pray that your word would be alive and active. God, that you would use your word to penetrate our hearts and to speak to us your truth, that we might grow in our knowledge of God and become more and more like you as we follow you and we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, one of my greatest passions in life is seeing people fully embrace the gospel, See, oftentimes when we talk about the gospel and salvation, we talk about heaven. And while heaven's a great gift that that God gives to those who follow Jesus, the gospel is so much more than just making it to heaven one day. See, the gospel is good news that for those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they receive a new life here and now. Jesus talks about this in John 10.10. He says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come... So that you might have an abundant life. In other versions of the Bible, it says life and life to the full. And this abundant life that Jesus is talking about isn't money. It's not possessions. It's not a life free from difficult or hard circumstances. No, it's the joy, peace, and the freedom that come to those who are reconciled to God and made new in His sight. See, when I realize what it means to be made new in God's sight, when I realize what it means to be reconciled to God and made His friend, I enter into joy and peace in the life that God has created me for. See, I don't know about you this morning, but I wouldn't be in this room if it wasn't for the new life that God wanted to give me. See, I grew up in a great family. Uh, My my parents had five kids, so I was one of five. Uh, They raised us to, to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, but I was always the black sheep of my family. I grew up with incredible anger and rage. Uh, in middle school, I was getting in all sorts of fights, kicked out of school. And it was around that time I got diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. I had therapists tell me that I would never be free from OCD. And man, my life was just chaos. And I got to high school and I wanted to do anything I could to escape that reality. I wanted to do anything I could to escape how I was feeling and the worry and the fear and the anxiety that so crippled me. And so what I did was I I just dove right into drugs. I I wanted to do anything I could to escape reality. And so I dove into this, uh, drugs, the alcohol, the partying, and my life spiraled out of control in a major way. Uh, man, in, in, in high school, I was getting kicked out of school, arrested, uh, and, and fast forward a year, and one morning I'm waking up and I'm in a jail cell. And it was the lowest point of my life. I woke up and I'm going, what in the world am I doing here? See, if you would have asked me at any point in my life, if I believed in Jesus, I would have told you yes. I believe that Jesus is real. I believe that Jesus is God. But what dawned on me that, that morning was that I had never actually surrendered to Jesus, I never actually surrendered my heart to him and and received him as Lord and Savior of my life. So fast forward another year and I'm in Panama City Beach, Florida on a spring break trip. Not the best place for someone like me to be, right? And I'm teetering on this edge of like, I am so hungry for God, but my life is so broken and everybody around me can see it, right? And I'm, I'm walking into a subway one day. And it was this blazing hot Florida day. There's this, there's this old man standing outside this subway, hunched over a walker. And as I'm walking in, he stops me. He says, hey, can I pray for you? And I said, yeah, you can pray for me. He said, okay, repeat after me. Lord, and I said, Lord. He said, fill my life with your fire. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? Fill my life with your fire. You know, I'm like, am I gonna get struck by lightning? What's gonna happen? And he goes, burn up everything in my life that's keeping me from you. I said, burn up everything in my life that's keeping me from you. We said, amen, boom, nothing happened, right? I didn't fall to the ground. I didn't start crying. I didn't leave that place a totally and completely different person. But if you took who I was in that moment and you fast forwarded just three months, you would see a totally and completely new person. See, I loved God genuinely three months later. I I couldn't get enough of the word. It was when I was praying, man, my heart would be actually connecting with God. See, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I experienced what it actually means to be made new and to be reconciled to God. All the fear, the anxiety, the obsessive compulsive disorder I said uh, people told me I would never be free from. All that stuff lifted off my life, and I entered into real joy and real freedom through Jesus. And I I experienced what it means to truly be reconciled to God. And that's what Paul's talking about this morning in Colossians 1. So each of you have a Bible under your chairs. I'm just going to encourage you, open up to page 805. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. And uh, last week, Pastor David preached on the supremacy of Christ, right? He's talking about how Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all of creation. He is the creator of all things and the one who holds all of creation together by his power. In verse 20, Paul is going, man, this Jesus, the God of the entire universe, this Jesus, he came and he died to reconcile all things to himself. And he keeps going in verse 21, this is what he says, page 805. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So look at what Paul does, right? He's talking about how Jesus, in verse 20, he's talking about how Jesus came to reconcile all of creation to himself. But then in verse 21, he zooms in his focus, right? And he begins to focus on the reader. And he says, once you were alienated from God, You were separated. You were cut off from God and the life that he created you for. See, Paul's leveling the playing field. He says it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter the good things you've done with your life or the bad things you've done with your life. Each and every one of us share this common and desperate need. We desperately need a savior because apart from one, we're cut off from God. In Romans 3.23, Paul puts it this way: he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul's saying, it doesn't matter who you are, we all desperately need Jesus. He even goes as far as say that we're God's enemies. I mean, what, what, what does Paul mean by that, right? Like at one point you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds. Paul's saying that it doesn't matter who we are, whether intentionally or unintentionally, all of us have lived in resistance. To God and His kingdom, we've resisted the Son of God, Jesus Himself, and in doing so, we've lived in opposition to God and have been His enemies. But Paul keeps going, right? He says, "Verse twenty-two. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, presents you wholly in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation." See, Paul saying, "This is the good news." At one point in time, you were cut off. You were separated from God. You were living in isolation and darkness. You were hopeless. Man, for for me, man, I was, I was filled with anger and rage and depression and all these things. He's saying, you were that way, but Jesus came so that you didn't need to remain that way. He came to connect you back to God and the life that God has for you through his son. And I want you to pay special attention to the words that Paul uses to describe what it means to be reconciled. He says, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, presents you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, when I came to the Lord, I, I, I had a really hard time grasping that this could ever be true of me. See, I was super well acquainted with my mistakes. I was super well acquainted with my past and the guilt and the shame. Like in, in college, I would lay awake at night as a young man weeping because I was overcome with shame and guilt. And I thought, man, there's no way that anybody could see past the junk in my life. There's no way that anyone could ever actually forgive me and love me, right? But Paul says this in Romans 5, verse one. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Jumping down to verse 10, Paul says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. See, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but so often be like, man, I believe that God loves me and he's forgiven me. But you don't know where I've been. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know what my life has looked like. And it was like I almost had this belief that like God could partially forgive me. But man, there's no way that God could ever fully, completely, totally forgive me and redeem me to a place where I could actually stand in God's presence and be right in his sight. There's no way. It was like I believed that God had great and abundant grace, but it could only reach so deep. We know that's not true because in Romans 5:20, Paul says that where sin runs deep, grace runs deeper. See, sometimes we get so focused on our own failures, our own shortcomings, we forget that the gospel is not good news that I can save myself. The gospel is not good news that, man, if I just live a good enough life from this point forward, I can work my way back into right standing with God, and I'll be good in his sight, and, man, I can do it on my own. No, the gospel is good news that Jesus is sufficient and powerful and able to deliver a lost and a broken humanity back into right standing with God so that they can actually be friends of God. That's what Paul's saying in Romans 5. He's saying, look, Jesus has brought you into this place of undeserved privilege when you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Undeserved privilege. Think about that. He's saying, man, when you receive Jesus and the sacrifice of what he did on the cross in your life, you are made new and Jesus brings you into this place where now you have peace with God. You're made right in his sight and you can be called a friend of God. Undeserved privilege. I want to ask us this morning, for those of us who say we follow Jesus, are we living in this place of undeserved privilege? Are we boldly, confidently, and joyfully approaching God each and every day as a friend who's been redeemed? Or are we allowing shame and, and guilt to prevent us from fully grabbing hold of the life that Jesus paid for with his own blood? Paul says that, we have been made friends of God. So in Colossians 1, when he's writing and he's saying, you are now holy, without blemish, and free from accusation, Paul is saying that this is now your new identity as a follower of Jesus. You have been made new. You have been made new. Are you living in that new identity that Jesus has given you? See, look at this. (laughs) I, I think that God wants for this truth to sink deep, deep, deep down into our hearts, that we would actually fully grab hold of what it means to be made new in God's sight. That man, God doesn't see what he saw before I came to him. No, no, no. Now he sees a new and redeemed person washed by the blood of Jesus. And in this place of right standing, now I can enjoy God as a friend. Doesn't matter the circumstances I'm going through. Doesn't matter what happened this morning. Everything I do and everywhere I go, God is my friend and I have full access to him. Because I stand in this place of undeserved privilege. See, I think God wants us to fully grab hold of this truth. Because when we do, when we fully grab hold of this truth in our hearts, something changes. I realize that it, it, in fact, is undeserved. I don't deserve to be called God's friend. I don't deserve to be made new in his sight. And so the fact that I can even enjoy this reality is too great of news for me to keep to myself. I have to share it with the world around me. I have to get this news out to whoever I can. And that's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, this is what Paul says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And all of this is a gift from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. See, Paul's saying, look, when you come to Jesus, that old life, that old way of living, the things that defined you before man, that's all been washed away. And Jesus has brought you into this new life where you actually can enjoy freedom and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it's as you're living in fellowship and friendship with God, that God's saying in the same way that Jesus brought you back to the Father, now go and tell others what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection. He's saying that that was Jesus' ministry, he was reconciling a lost and a broken world. And Jesus has now passed the baton to his followers. He's saying, now you have this ministry of reconciliation. Now you carry this message that the world so desperately needs to hear. See, God wants this truth of who we are in him, that we have been made new. He wants it to sink deep into our hearts so that we are compelled to go and tell anybody and everybody we can. Shortly after I got saved, man, I was just. Zealous. I, I couldn't get enough of Jesus. I wanted to share him everywhere we went or everywhere I went. And me and my friends, we, we would go on outreaches to the Twin Cities, right? It didn't matter the day or the, um, the time of day. I tried to bat away a feather. <laughs> um, <laughs> it didn't matter the time of day. We just wanted to go uh, and tell people about Jesus. And one particular night, uh, we, we decided we're going to go to nightclubs and bars, and we're just going to share Jesus and the good news and just let God do with it what he wants to. And uh, one particular night, we're, we were standing outside this nightclub. It was after midnight. I could never do that now because I have two little girls, and I, I feel like I'm barely even awake right now, right? But at that point in time, I was wired. I'm like, let's go. And, and we're standing outside of this nightclub, and this guy walks out, and he is in an arm sling. And I'm like, this is an easy conversation starter. I'm just going to ask him what happened to his arm, and he's going to be like, oh, this happened, and I'm going to pray for him, and boom, it's going to be great. So I walk up to him, I'm like, hey man, what happened to your arm? And he looks at me, he's like, why do you care? And all of a sudden I was surrounded by like three or four of his friends. And I'm like, I am going to get the pulp beaten out of me tonight. And I'm going to become a martyr. And I don't know that I'm ready yet in my life (laughs) to die for Jesus. I have a lot of good things in front of me, right? And so here I am, my knees are now shaking, my voice is probably cracking and all this stuff. And I look at him and I go, look, I believe in Jesus. I saw that you were hurt and I just wanted to pray for you. That was it. And it was like out of the scene of this movie, right? He just raises his his good hand. He's like, all right, all right. And his friends fade into the background and my knees are shaking. And I'm just like, okay, what happened to you, man? He's like, I got hit by a car and I broke my collarbone. I said, well, what, what would happen if you weren't that lucky? What if instead you were standing before the throne of God, facing the creator of all things? Then what? And this guy who was ready to turn me into a human pinata moments earlier, Begins to weep in my arms in front of all of his friends on the street. See, the reality of his great need, he realized that he was cut off and separated from God. And this reality overtook him. And he's like, man, I need Jesus. Why do I share that story? I share that story because if I hadn't become fully convinced for what Jesus had accomplished in my life, not just to stamp a ticket into heaven one day, but to bring me into a new life here and now, If I hadn't become fully convinced of that, I would have never stood on that street corner and shared this message with this guy who so desperately needed it. See, God wants for us to fully grab hold of the truth of what does it mean to be reconciled? What does it mean to be made new in God's sight? Paul tells us in in Colossians 1, it means you're holy without blemish and free from accusation. You now live in a place of undeserved privilege where you can know God and be his friend. Now hear me when I say this. That doesn't mean that you're not perfect, right? It doesn't mean that you're never going to have to repent again in your entire life. It doesn't mean that you'll never make a mistake and life's just going to go on smooth sailing. You'll never encounter a hard or difficult circumstance. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that Jesus has brought us into this place of friendship with God where each and every day I have the ability to build my life on a solid foundation, Jesus himself. And as I do this, I learn how to love him. I learn how to obey him. I learn how to submit to him and follow him. And it's as I do that, that I grow and I'm made more and more like Jesus each and every day. See, God now sees me as holy and without blemish in his sight. And it's as I continue to follow him that I grow into this new identity that he's given me. Paul talks about that as he keeps going in Colossians 1. Colossians one twenty three page eight hundred and five right he says now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to presents you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation but then verse twenty three he says if if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel see so what Paul's telling the Colossians and what he's telling us today is this. You need to remain firm and established in the gospel and in Jesus himself because there's so many things in this world that are are fighting for our attention. There's so many things that this world wants us to find our identity in, right? But Paul is saying, no, no, no. You need to remain firm and established in the gospel and in the person of Jesus because it's as you do this that you're made more and more like him. You grow more and more into this new identity, this new life that he's given you. You need to remain firm and established in the hope of the gospel. See, how many things on a day-to-day basis, right? How many things are we filling our hearts and our minds with? Unfiltered, raw information. I open up my phone, it's news headlines, it's Facebook statuses, it's comment threads, it's Instagram and social media posts. All day long, every day, we are constantly drinking through a fire hose information that's not filtered and not grounded in truth, per se. So if that's the case, how much more than as a follower of Jesus do I first and foremost need to be filling my life with the truth? How much more do I need the truth of the gospel to be permeating my heart and my mind and having fellowship with God so that I can continue to grow as I learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit and be made new each day? See, Paul's saying in order to grow into this new identity, we need to remain firm and established first and foremost in the gospel. I think we do this in a couple of ways, right? First, we need to have personal connection with Jesus, right? John 15:5. Jesus says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. You'll wither and die. Those are strong words, but Jesus is making clear the point that we need him. I can't afford to go through my day-to-day life without connecting with Jesus. I need to make it a priority to build my life around him and to allow his word and his spirit to lead me and guide me each and every day. I also need to be plugged into Christian community, right? That's why I love that Renovation does house groups. We need people in our life who are challenging us, who are encouraging us and pushing us closer to Jesus. Because apart from that, we tend to remain stagnant. But what if we took this and we just made it way more practical for us? See, in Deuteronomy 6, uh, Moses is giving instructions to the Israelites. He's saying, this is who God is, and this is who you are called to be and how you're called to live as a result. And he gives this instruction, and then he looks at them and he goes, this is what I want you to do with this information. I want you to go and talk about it with your kids every single day. If you're at home, talk about it. If you're out on the road, talk about it. Before you go to bed, talk about it. When you're waking up, talk about it. And then he takes it a step farther and he goes, not only that, but I want you to take this truth and I want you to tie it around your wrist like a bracelet. I want you to wear it around your head like a bandana. I want you to put it on every doorpost in your home and on the gates of your properties. What What was Moses saying? He's saying, I just want you to be reminded of this truth in everything you do. Everywhere you go and in everything you do, be reminded of the truth. Keep it in front of you practically. Wear it around your wrist. Wear it around around your head. Like, just keep it in front of you practically. What if we we heard this instruction from Moses and we, we figured out a way we can apply this truth to our lives practically? Man, what if it is? What if it's just writing this down on a piece of paper? God, once I was your enemy, but you died to bring me close and to make me new. Now I'm your friend. And man, I took that piece of paper and I put it on my fridge. So every time someone's opening up the fridge, they're just reminded of it. Or man, I put it on a sticky note and I put it on my work computer so that no matter what I'm going through at work today, I'm reminded of the greatest truth ever, that God loves me and has made me new. What if we found ways that we could keep the truth of God ever in front of us? See, we desperately need that. Paul says you need to remain established and firm. He says it's for once You were alienated. You were separated from God. But now Jesus has brought you into this place and made you new. And it's this place of undeserved privilege where now you have peace with God and you're his friend. But you need to remain firm and established. What can we do to continue to remain firm and established? Will we keep this truth in front of us? I want to challenge you this week. As you leave this place, don't let this word leave or escape you. Write it down. Write down who you are now that you're in Jesus and put it somewhere that you'll always see it and be reminded so that this truth can grow in your heart and that the word of God can be alive and active in your heart, constantly changing and refining the way that you're thinking and processing and moving through your day because you're not doing it ungrounded. No, you're doing it rooted in the truth of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished on, this cro- on the cross and in his resurrection. I'm gonna invite the band up. You know, here's, here's what I want to ask you today. For those of us in this room who say you follow Jesus, are you living in this place of undeserved privilege? Are you coming before the throne of God boldly, confidently, and joyfully as one who's been redeemed and made new and now is a friend of God? Or are you allowing shame and guilt maybe sin to keep you back from fully grabbing hold of the life that Jesus paid for with his own blood. See, I wanna challenge you this morning. Not only do we need to keep this truth in front of us, but we need to get to this place in our hearts where we're raw before God. And we say, God, I desperately long to step into this new life that you have for me. But man, there's a barrier to entry for me. There's something that's preventing me from getting there. There's something that I'm not letting go of or allowing you to wash over with your grace. Take it from me this morning. See, as we go into this last song, don't let these just be words on a screen. We're coming into God's presence and you have the ability to step before the king of kings and say, God, whatever it is that's keeping me from fully grabbing hold of your truth and reality of what you've accomplished on the cross and in your resurrection, I wanna fully grab hold of it. I wanna fully cling to what you've accomplished. Others of us in this room this morning, we're experiencing what it means to be alienated from God. Cut off, separated, distant. And as a result, we walk around with heaviness, with with shame, with great bondage. Man, it's like it compounds each day. Like we just feel the weight of what it means to not know God and to be separated from the life that he has from us. Even as I'm talking right now, you might be thinking about things. Like things are coming to your mind like, yeah, I feel the weight of this, man. It's this broken relationship. It's this thing that we can list it off why we feel the weight. Well, I want to invite you this morning. Jesus says this. He says, if you want to keep your life as it is right now, one day you'll lose it. But if you come into my presence, if you come before me and you lay down your heart, there you'll find real and true life, the life that I have for you. See, what I want to invite you to do this morning, if you are feeling the distance and the separation from God, you can come before Jesus with a raw and open and vulnerable heart and say, Jesus, here is everything. Here's my relationships. Here's my money. Here's everything that I am. I'm laying down my heart and I'm saying, God, I desperately want to be made new and brought into relationship with you. You can do that this morning. But it starts with authentically surrendering. When I woke up in jail that day, I realized man, I'd never authentically surrendered to God. But the moment I did, everything changed. We're going to have a team down here um, in the front right of the room. And if, if you want to pray, to, to surrender to Jesus and to follow him, I want to invite you up after this last song of worship. Come forward and pray with somebody who's eager to help you step into that new life that God has for you. I also want to extend the invitation. Maybe you're just in this place where you're like, I believe, but man, I'm having a full time really, really, really surrendering. Come up and get prayer for it. Don't be shy. That's why God's given us community so that we can go to war together and contend for each other to live the rich and satisfying life that God's purchased for us with his blood. So before we, before we uh, jump into this next song, let me pray for us. God, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that your blood speaks a better word. God, that when you died on a cross, bleeding for our sins, Jesus, you weren't just doing it to one day stamp a ticket into heaven, but you were doing it to bring us into a new life here and now. And God, you're saying whatever it is, Whatever's weighing you down, whatever's holding you back, I want you to lay it at my feet. And so God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be ministering to each and every one of us, God. And that God, you would be bringing us into this new life that you have for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.